What is up? Good and Bottle Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Chris Sinclair. And I'm Drew Garrison. All right. We are coming back at you this week. Uh, still on lockdown, still recording uh, away from each other. I miss you, Drew. Remotely is what we're doing. And yeah, well, I think the, the positive is... Um, what is it like the the distance makes the heart grow fonder and just when i thought i couldn't love you anymore i'm like man i really love that guy and i wish i could just be close and i I miss you know i miss you bringing me amazing alcohol yeah yeah that's um well on on one on one side we don't have that much new stuff right now so i guess that's going for you or at least that i get samples of so, yeah, but now I have to drink my own, and that sucks. <laughs> I, I have been putting a pretty decent dent into my own collection, um, which has been nice because it desperately needed to be done. Um, on the flip side, like there has been like other bottles purchased in my quest to make like all these different tiki cocktails, and you know when it comes to that, like you just need so much random shit. But it's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm kind of following the Minimalist Tiki, which is you know a book that we've talked about before. The problem that I've now noticed is that the approach that Minimalist Tiki takes, and Matt Petrick in general is one of a person who like really gives a shit about rum, which is not necessarily the case with all tiki related things right like rum for a lot of people ends up being secondary sometimes not even a consideration when it comes to tiki and so when i look at other books especially ones that kind of you know carved out the uh you know the modern tiki and stuff i'm just kind of like that kind of sucks now because (laughs) it just the recommendations are so horrible on rum choices that i'm like i have all these tiki books and like only two of them i now trust you know because those two actually give a shit about rum yeah i i I don't know how to say this, but like maybe, you know, their recipes are solid, but their the rum choices, you know, might, might not. Also, you know, depending on their recipes, they're probably covering it with so much other shit that doesn't matter. And the rum's just there to get you, get you lit. Right. But I think the thing is, is that I am looking at these recipes and then when I see a, a recommendation of something that's like truly horrible, it calls into question the entire cocktail now. Yeah, <laughs> or, or the entire book, or the entire book, and you see it repetitively. I okay, mean, I need, like, I need a solid example of what 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 that is. I mean, are you talking like someone's asking for Malibu or what? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to. I, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. And it's also like the book I'm calling into question would just get me kicked out of every tiki bar for the rest of my life. So I can't. This one I actually can't go on record with. Um, so, out, of, out of self-preservation. Out of self-preservation and my desire to stay in this community. Um, I cannot say who it is. But just like going through it, I'm like, oh my God, again? Like this? Like, come on. There's so many better options. And well, then- I think I think also – you have to take into consideration when things when things were written, what was available, what's readily available, and what their assumption of what's readily available in a market outside of their own might also be when they're writing something like that. 
I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I certainly can respect that. At the same time, there has been like newer editions of certain books that have been released, and there are opportunities to write the ship. And um, that was just not what was done. So they, you know, again, like I, I have, you know, I have like Minimalist Tiki, I have Smuggler's Cove. Those are two great books that put a lot of emphasis on the rums. And so when you look at the recommendations, you're kind of like, yeah, I, I will use that rum and I feel good about making this cocktail now. And, and that's just where there ends up being that disconnect for me with some of the other stuff now. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been a weird, it's been a weird exercise where it's, I'm becoming more comfortable with these, with just making these cocktails on my own. And then, but now like people who I held in such high regard, I'm kind of like, Ugh, what happened? Like, <laughs> I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I don't. And it's funny because it is, it is a, like this, uh, hushed conversation that I feel like takes place within the community because there's so many different ways to come into Tiki, right? It could be the sure. music, it could be the decor, you know, it could be the drinks, it could be the, you know, the wardrobe, like, you know, whatever. But, um, it just, for a lot of people, it's just like, man, they just really don't give a shit what they're drinking as long as it's, you know, fruity and this and that and a ceramic mug, you know? That's okay. So, I mean, that's all right. It, that's it is okay. But I, I do think that like, there's, a, there's also this other group within that group that's kind of like, wait, they know that that rum sucks, right? We're like, yeah, they do, but they don't care. And, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like this thing that you kind of have to make peace with, you know? Yeah. It's like, so, it's like, it's like knowing that, okay, there's a little bit of exploitation here and we acknowledge it and we're moving on. And so always, this is like the same thing as like, yeah, we know that they use inferior products, but we acknowledge it. So we move on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's just a lot of that in Tiki. Right. Uh, so am I, are, is my assumption correct in thinking that you're drinking a tiki drink tonight? Um, I'm actually, I'm actually not um, drinking a tiki drink because I found my weed pen. I don't know if these things kill you still or not, or maybe it's just pandemic. But I decided to do that instead. Um, oh, so you're just you're you're hitting hitting the reefer? Yeah, I'm doing that instead tonight. I've been drinking wow. a lot. Right. So you've been you've been go, you've been getting after it with the with the wine. I've been pretty impressed. Yeah, and so I just was like, I, I like, I was like, I don't have it in me. I just really, <laughs> I can't drink anymore. Um, wow. I do, All I right. do have a bottle here with me that I wanted to talk about, which I have been drinking a lot of. Um, but in in terms of altering my state of mind, I have resorted to my weed pen because so I actually found a, a a refill capsule in like the back of a drawer. It was a great find. Oh, that's so lucky. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm doing that instead. But it, but it's also out of one of the electronic ones, so that might kill me. Because remember that was a thing earlier this year when people were complaining about that. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of things that I forgot from earlier this year, dude. Right? So, yeah. dude, Kobe Bryant's dead. Just as a reminder. Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Wow. True. Uh, like you couldn't come up with something else that was less depressing than that to remind no. me that we've existed for for a year and the year's only three months in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's uh, awful. Um, what, we'll start with you though. What are you What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, the Maker's Mark RC6. I uh, this is this is hands down my favorite thing Maker's Mark has ever produced. Uh, that is not, a very interesting statement. Um, I 
I like Maker's Mark. I like the weeded bourbons, um, but the RC6, I, like this is just so good to me. Um, it comes in a little hot, 108. Um, so I add a dash of water, and I find that adding that dash of water, um, when I talk to people, their only criticism of it tends to be that um, the finish is a little thin. But when I add just a splash of water, I find that it kind of ups the viscosity just a little bit and it'll, it, it allows that finish to carry through. And I do mean just like a splash of water, I you know, just to, just to turn it down. I don't, I've got a podcast about booze. I don't need to prove shit to anybody. So, you know, <laughs> I drink my booze how I want to drink my booze. God damn it. Uh, that's, that's really funny. I, I've only had it once. I did not have it with a splash of water and, um, and that, and it definitely, I didn't care for it. So I'm going to have to give it another really? shot. Yeah. I when I, but I'm it. also, I'm also very, just not on American whiskey kick right now. So that's true. Or um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think you've ever been in the time that I've known you really. I had a, I had a short love affair with, uh, with whistle pig and then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And then I had the 15 and I was like, nah, this, I'm going to stick with the 12. And then I found out the 12 changes and I was like, fuck, I'm out of here. Just <laughs> too much. I was just like, keep it together, you know? Um, <laughs> so that was, that was, you're like, you're the old man on the porch in a rocking chair or like on, on your, uh, on your riding lawnmower. Who's pissed when somebody brings you an IPA. Cause you just want your Coors. <laughs> yeah, well, IPA is also going to upset my tummy, so I have to keep That's that in right. mind. Um, well, you know what? I, I did have uh, – there was a barrel pick that was done by uh, Empress Tavern and the River City Whiskey Society this year that uh, from – like I said, from Westward. It was phenomenal. It was so good. Like I, yeah, I that don't – That was incredible. Yeah, I mean that was a truly special whiskey. So And hey, that was American, so, so there you go. Um, but definitely when it comes to, to the bourbons and the rise, uh, I just, you know, my palate's just not there right now. That's not what it's craving. It leaves it, it's pretty lacking, you know, for me, but I also think that's just because I drink so much crazy shit all the time. That's true. You do. um, You're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's just not there. And it, and, and I know there will be a time where I'll come back to it because that's just kind of how this stuff works. You know, you know, what's funny uh, about that is I think, I think, um, right now, and it changes seasonally, um, but I think just uh, whiskey tends to be sort of like my comfort spot. Um, and so when I, I end up really busy or I end up uh, like you drinking a lot of crazy shit and whatnot, I come home and I pour myself a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of whiskey and it just allows me to calm down. I think like it just it because it's not as insanely crazy and flavor profiles as you know rum as like all over the place with rum or the you know the insane mezcals that that you and i get a chance to drink um you know it's just not it's not that insane mix of flavors like it's it's fairly linear you know yeah um uh, at least in the grand scheme of things not to well, say it's almost like a, it's almost like a palate reset Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's what I know and it's what, what I'm good with. And it, it, it just, it's my comfort spot, you know, like I know this, this is what I, I've consumed for a long time. My palate's fine tuned that I can, I can, I can look at my, my wall of whiskey at home and 
I can look at all the all the American whiskeys that are up there and I go, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, this is I'm, I'm sort of feeling this way today or that way today. So I, I'm not saying that there's not like a, a a wealth of interesting, you know, flavors within the whiskey category, you know, or American whiskeys, but it just it's it's not as it's not as insane as well, as yeah, I mean, or rum. Yeah, when you have the regulations put in place that you do, I mean, there's going to be a profile to it, right. you know. Um, yeah, I kind of do the same thing with uh, with tequila. I look at tequila as my kind of reset on stuff because I, you know, I, I just I just really don't drink it very often because most of the agave I'm consuming is from every other place in Mexico. Right. So, um, you know, That's it fine. is so nice. Tequila is my, my other one. So it depends. Like now that the weather's starting to change, I'll, I'll probably start switching over to, to tequila because tequila is my other one where it's just like, okay, this is just my comfort spot in the hot season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you, if you were to look at it from, you know, maybe from like the rum standard, um, you know, probably like a palate reset would almost be like a Barbados rum. You know, those ones tend to be really easy, kind of, you know, pretty straightforward. Sure. Especially if it's aged, you get that you get that oak influence that really kind of just smooths everything out. Yeah, but you know, but still, there's there's a lot of variation there. But um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't find myself to be much of a seasonal drinker. I just kind of I you know, my cravings are just weird when it comes to that. I used to be a lot more seasonal and then now it's just like, nope, I'm just weird. Like, oh, it's, you know, 20 degrees outside. I'll do a margarita. Like, let's, let's make this happen right now. You know, something, something light and refreshing. It makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not offended by that in any way. Um, especially, <laughs> especially if it's blended and frozen, like that's, I'm always good to go. I actually saw something today on Facebook where, um, it, it was our friend Liz uh, Guerrero. She was talking about how, oh, you know, don't be mad at me. I like pina coladas. I was like, who's mad at pina coladas? Yeah, Are I don't you know. Kidding me right now? Yeah, Liz, for the record, was my uh, daytime bartender. I love me some Liz. She's the for, best. For many years, man, she was my day my daytime bartender. It was great. Nice. Okay, so you're drinking. So you're drinking the. Um, I got. I'm. I got some RC six, man. Six. Okay, great. I'm gonna three. I'm gonna three visit it with the with the water um i really need i i did a virtual tasting sometime earlier this week and i don't remember which one it was because i just took way too many of these (laughs) but they were talking about you know the chemical um romance between water and whiskey and they had explained it in a way that like completely blew my mind like i've always been a proponent of water and whiskey and you know opened it up and all comes but the way that they described it I was just like, what? I had never heard it like that before. So now I got to go back through them and listen and be like, hey, who said this? I'm pretty sure I know who it was, but I I can't. I was looking at my notes. I'm like, I didn't write that down. How did I not write that down? So water and whiskey, do it. Especially if it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. It's it's great. Um, Yeah. Do it. Oh, I did find it. Okay. It was from Oliver Chilton. And he was talking about when you add, when you add, sugar or add water it actually increases the sugar content of the whiskey and and i'll have to get like and he like they had the scientific explanation for it and i was like what yeah Uh, i've never heard that before that's that's really cool yeah so um i'm actually planning on going back through all my happy hours and i'm going to do like one sheets on them because the reality is is that these conversations go you know anywhere from an hour and 15 to an hour and 45 minutes and 
if, if and looking at the metrics on my YouTube channel, people are not staying for the whole thing. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to go through them and I'm going to create one sheets on every single happy hour that I did and like pull out like what I think was the most interesting. So people can just kind of digest that and be like, Oh, that's cool. It's good to know. Yeah. Water, whiskey, smart. sugar. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, it's the next freaking quarantine project I'm going to work on. Or one so what what is the bottle that you're sitting on that you want to talk about? Um, I, I just I, I wanted to bring out kind of the the workhorse of all of my cocktail making over the past six weeks. Okay, and I guess. yeah, I think you're gonna get it right, but go for it. Is it Appleton? No, but you're close. Oh. you're close. Stay on that island. So Jamaican. It is Jamaican. Uh, is it aged? Yes. Uh, at least two years in new oak, but I believe that's just the standard. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I, I believe that's the standard too. Um, you're going to be really disappointed when I tell you. It's not going to, it's not worthy park. Nope. Uh, it's not going to be rain nephew. No, but that uh, one's been getting, that one's going to get, you know, worked as well. I don't know which one. It's the Karuba. Oh motherfucker! <laughs> God damn it! You're right. I am. I am disappointed in myself. Bitch. Um. Yeah. So you know, Karuba Dark is a blend of calm and pot still uh, Jamaican rum, aged two years in New Oak, and it's owned by the Campari uh, company. So I've just been, you know, using it a lot, and it's just a really great. Like I said, it's a fucking workhorse for cocktails. It so, is a workhorse. Yeah. And. Really, really great flavor to it. Um, beautiful packaging. Just a, you know, a product that I think once you, once you get turned on to it, it's really hard to use other thing in it, in its category. You know, like the only other one that I might think holds up, but it's also you know it's you know it's different in profile is like a plantation dark. But um, the what Caruba- about a Demerara? Yeah, like I, mean, darks? I I do, but again, I think that's just a different profile. Like it doesn't bring that kind of That's fair. You know, I just it's you know, darks you make in because I mean I think it's something that just like replaces Appleton, like it's like it's just no problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kinda like, oh yeah, go with this. There we go. So I well, I've been kind, used- it kinda it kinda like fills two two needs in one, right? You like you get that Jamaican, but then you also get the dark. Right. So you have that profile, you have the, you know, the, the color too. And that was, um, you know, before we jumped on the call, I had reached out to you and I was looking up um, like the Jamaican uh, rum laws because they're, they're relatively strict. And one of the things that I couldn't remember was like, okay, when it comes to, um, you know, this kind of rum, are you allowed to add sugar? Are you allowed to add color? And this is what we found. So, uh, and this is, this is on cocktail wonk, which again, is just such a great resource for rum. And Matt's going to be a guest on my, on my happy hour this Wednesday. So tune in. But, um, after distillation rums with geographical indication, Jamaican rum being one of these categories, non-aged rum. So kind of like the rain nephew that you were talking about or rum rums aged in small wooden oak barrels. So the rum shall have no color except for coloring from oak wood aging or, and this is a big or, from cane sugar caramel, which, you know, is not 
E150, so it's not a, you know, additive, but it's still like, you know, darkening up the color to make this, you know, a little deceptive in the, in the branding. Yeah, but I mean, but, I, I mean, that's how, I mean, that's how all dark rums are made though. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's the definition of a dark rum is you get your, you get your rum and then you add, you know, then you add your, your molasses and sugar. Your back black strap molasses back in. No, it doesn't always have to be black strap, but it, you know, well, that's also a big made up thing. So, or like how they, how they <laughs> sure. do that. Um, there's actually, I think there's another article on cocktail wonk that talks about the ridiculous nature of black strap rum. Um, yeah, good times. So, uh, should we transition into our news headlines? Let's do it. Man, what a smooth transition that music now makes for us. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we are uh, uh, in a newsroom now. Or, you know, that's it. That's and, all I got. And there's just green screens everywhere because you really have to pretend <laughs> that things are going on and not in post production. Right. Like, really fill this out. We got this weather pattern coming through here. Oh, up top. Sorry. Up top here. Yeah. Um, so first story is talking about the three tier, uh, us alcohol system is facing new threats and there's this company called Grapein, and basically what their goal is to connect producers, importers directly to on and off premise, um, retailers. And so basically what you're doing here is you're eliminating that, that third party or that middleman, I guess, in, in between the two. So, you know, they're estimating right now that there's going to be about $921.4 million in losses amongst all the big distributors and small distributors across the board from, you know, on-premise just never being able to pay them back because of the current pandemic. And, um, you know, these guys are coming in trying to, and I think they're starting with wine, and they're just trying to cut that out. And so what does that mean for, for us is that, you know, you might, you could potentially see lower prices, but then also, you know, do these distributors get leaner and meaner if certain laws are passed that allow people to work more directly with buyers as opposed to having to sell it to a distributor and then the distributor has to sell it to that wine, that, you know, or to that bar, liquor store, whatever, you know, grocery store, all that fun stuff. Right. right. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting because there have been so many changes. And, you know, there's a lot of people who would love to have that ability. Like I know right now, Texas distillers are trying to get the right to be able to sell directly or to sell more of their bottles directly to consumers because they're allowing breweries and wineries to do it, but they're not allowing distilleries to do it. And, you know, you just, you, you start to wonder with all these different changes that have been made, is it a Pandora's box situation where once it's out, it's out, you know, and where does that leave distributors? You know, I, I think you can make an argument for both. I think there's a lot of small brands out there that really need distributors, you know, and I even think big brands need distributors because you're just talking about manpower and, and all that different stuff. But, you know, this might change the conversation when it comes to pricing. It's like, okay, well, if you're not going to give us a better deal, we'll just go direct. Yeah. Well, I know here in California, um, going direct is, you know, it, it requires, you know, 
permitting, but you can do it. You know, there's there's a plenty of small distilleries that you know produce and they can self distribute. But everyone I know who does that um, is actively looking for a distributor, just because you, you know if you you know you can only be so many places at one time as well as making your own product. So, you know, you need, you need to partner with someone who knows how, who can handle logistics of shipping, of delivering timelines, you know, as well as sales calls everywhere that you can't be personally, you know, yeah, obviously, think, you know, yeah. hand of the maker and, and talking to someone who, who makes a thing always sells better, obviously, you know, but you need, you just, it's, it's the reality of physics, right? You just, you can't be there. It's quantum physics. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think that's something that people often underestimate. Like you hear the conversation about eliminating distributors and eliminating the three-tier system and people get excited. They're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's crooked and there's so many things wrong with it. And that's true. Like there's a lot of things wrong with the three-tier system, but that doesn't necessarily solve all the issues by eliminating. In fact, it creates so many, so many more. If you are this great distiller, what you should be doing is distilling alcohol. You might not have those personable skills to go out to different bars and be like, hey, you know, try my stuff. You know, I think for a lot of a lot of people, they end up finding out that just because your stuff tastes good doesn't mean it's gonna sell. And, yeah, that's, it, and it that's sounds counterintuitive. But that's just the reality of the business that we're I, in. I don't know why that's counterintuitive. There's enough shit out there that sells great. So <laughs> I know, but just I'm just saying, like, there's there's good stuff that also wouldn't sell. So yeah, and that's it's something that I think a lot of people end up struggling with. You know, especially when they get into the that side of the business, they're like, "Well, I'm working with this really great product. I don't understand why everybody doesn't want it." It's like, well, there's a multiple you know factors and stuff like that. So. I think, you know, I I mean, obviously I'm biased as well because I, I do work in that. I'm one of those middlemen, but like a lot of my products, let's say like from Deep Cuts Mexico, where they can't come up to America and do this. It just, it, money-wise, it just, it doesn't make any sense for them to do that, you know? And let's say you're an importer. Well, yeah, my importer brings us stuff here to California, but he's also working in Florida. He's working in New York. He's already stretched thin. So there's, you know, there's, there's definitely all those benefits to it, but I think, you know, having more outlets and if you are, you know, to do something like this thing with grape in, like that's cool, but I don't think it eliminates the, uh, the three tier system kind of like this article seems to suggest. No. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a great way I think to, um, be creative and help solve a problem um, that we are all facing right now. Um, I mean, I have, I have, a, I actually don't know what her title is, but she, she represents a portfolio of, of boutique brands. And uh, she reached out to me and by phone and by email. And now she's sending me a sample kit from there from their portfolio. And that's, I would honestly kind of impressed that they were doing it. I mean, just the, the, the shipping costs on a cold call, you know, just like, Hey, do you, do you want to taste this? Like, yeah. Okay. Like, we'll, we'll send you a bunch of stuff. Like that's expensive with no guarantee that I'm going to buy anything. Like that's, 
that's one hell of a commitment. Uh, I was pretty impressed. So ha- thinking outside the box, uh, it might not solve all the problems, but it's, it's da- a damn good start, you know, um, it, it, which brings up to mind of uh, 750. I mean, I know you've worked with 750 quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, 750. And, it's great. So it sounds, it sounds similar. Um, right. I mean, in, in essence, the website is then becoming the distributor, right? Well, yeah, because it, I mean, but you're working directly with like the importer or the supplier itself. So with your 750, you can access everybody's books, but you're accessing distributors' books. Mm-hmm. So you're still ordering through distributors or making contact through distributors. But I, I guess like the concept is, yeah, it's like, it's very similar. It's the same. You're able to look at the product and everything like that. Um, you know, thinking about like, you know, thinking outside the box and stuff like that, being able to send samples because I have been doing something similar as well. It is very expensive and it's kind of like how beer guys sell because right. they just like leave samples behind and their right. sample, like their sample budgets are out of control. Uh-huh. Um, I've heard a couple and I'm just like, oh my God, how do you, how do you, you know, justify that? But whatever, that's just what beer guys do. I see it all day. They just drop beers off and hope it, ends up with the buyer, not the bar back. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, that's just a, oh, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous way to live. Um, just giving people samples and trusting them like that. I know I've had people ask me to do that and I'll do it for like people I'm already have relationships with and I trust. But if it's a cold call, I would never do that ever. Yeah. Because you're well, just, I mean, she didn't just send it to me. She, she cold called me followed up and then said, Hey, do you want a sample pack? So, but it still wasn't very far off. It was, you know, two points of contact versus just like showing up and just delivering it. I look forward to finding out who this is after we get off the air. Cause yeah, sure. we want I, to I was... their spot, but that's a, <laughs> it's an interesting approach. And I mean, in, in, if you say yes to it, it's gotta be interesting stuff. Well, so, and, and I was talking to her and she said that, you know, they're, they're shipping out, this is just their their new reality as as their company. They're just they're shipping out one you know twice a week, big old shipments of samples to people. So, um, as well as order fulfillment, but um, you know right. that, it's still pretty impressive. I mean that's a that's one hell of an investment. Well, I mean it's you got to pivot right now. There's no doubt about it. And if you're that's right. yeah. you know um, one thing that that we were talking about, you know our two biggest houses in. California just laid off their entire on-premise teams. Like, holy shit, you know, or furloughed. Yeah, they're not laid off. I mean, they're that they're furloughed, so they're they're not getting paid, and um, they have the option to come back, which is huge. I mean, that's that's big. I mean, we we have enough friends who have been straight up fired, right? And right. Uh, and have to interview for their exact jobs again, which I think is beyond fucked that's just extra shitty that's a well we don't we don't really value what you do for us so (laughs) i think that's i think prove that you're still worth it yeah i think that's one thing that i'm really looking forward to seeing how you know kind of how those cards play out for everybody i mean even with these two big houses that have furloughed people i mean like one thing that you always hear from them is like yeah you know we're big but we're family owned it's like well okay you just prove that that really doesn't matter um and well, then, I don't, you know, I disagree. I, I think it's a, in this time, it's a difficult decision uh, to make. I mean, I mean, wh- whatever. They're like they're giant companies, so so yeah, maybe family owned, maybe not. But 
they're giant companies and uh, to have a huge part of your workforce just sitting around not doing anything is, I mean, that's, and also not making their money because a lot of the money they make is based on commissions and sales and, and what have you and bonus, bonus structures. So this, it's potential potentially better for them to be furloughed so they can collect unemployment. Um, I mean, assuming they get to come back. Sure. And assuming that they can, you know, I mean, you know, qualify for, for whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody everybody I've talked to from both, from both um, Young's market and Southern uh, Southern Glacier have all said that they, they're expecting to go back to work in July. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows? But that's as of right now. That's the expectation, right? Well, I didn't think you know. I I think that there's a lot of people who are going to be looking into different opportunities and stuff like that as as now. And I guess my hope for it moving forward is that some of our friends out there who are brand ambassadors and and things like that who got laid off, I hope that they take this as an opportunity to really develop more of an authentic voice. And they kind of be like, you know what? These guys bailed on you in a pretty dire situation. Maybe it's okay to talk about other stuff and enjoy things and be like, hey, your stuff is good, but also admit that other things are good. Because I know both of us, we, we have friends that are like, oh, no, I can't take a picture with that or I can't be talking about you know other stuff. And it's like, well, let's let's see how this, how this goes moving forward because that well, was... Always- sometimes that's a... I think sometimes that's that's in their contracts, but I think a lot of the time you're right. It's just about it's just about representing the face of your brand and always always being on, which is exhausting. I mean, it's got to be exhausting for them. I've I've never done that role. I've worked uh, in auxiliary uh, tangents with brands for for my career, um, but it's exhausting to be around too. You're just like, all right, like I don't want to be around a spokesperson. Like I want to be around a person like a human being who enjoys what I, you know, the community that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, I, I find it more, you know, exhausting and just disingenuous, you know, where it's just kind of like, okay, I can't really trust any opinion that you have now because. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's all skewed. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. You just have like this insane loyalty towards these, you know, to these brands and these people are just like, Oh, well, look at that. Now, it looks like that was a one-sided relationship. Um, <laughs> you know, they could I mean, maybe, maybe not. I, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think, I think sometimes uh, what you're saying definitely holds up, but I think for a lot of people they they definitely do have a passion for what, you know, who they work for and what they do. You kind well, of have to, right? Like, no, if, no, if that's I, what you're doing twenty four seven, it's not. Yeah, I'm not calling that into question. I think these people who who are in these positions absolutely are passionate about this, and that's why I think it's such a disservice to limit them in their opinions and things like that, where they become so excruciating to listen to. Because you're just kind of like, I know this person enjoys X, Y, and you know, be like they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, like having a conversation just the other day with Oliver Chilton, who's the you know, the guy who picks all the different casks for Elixir and does all these different things, whether it's Black Tot, Single Malts of Scotland, all the different expressions that he sends all over the world. And he's like, well, what's your, you know, what's the thing that you're constantly buying? He goes, oh, it's a Longmorn 
you know, 18, you know, it, was yeah, only, it wasn't yeah. any of his stuff. It was because yeah. he is just a, a fan of spirits in general. Yeah. And, and I, so I, I will say that Longmore 18 is fucking delicious too. He's, he's not wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. He's not wrong. But I think when you have someone who's just kind of being like, okay, this, this is a person who obviously appreciates good whiskey. So if he appreciates good whiskey, then the stuff that he works with must be good as well. Right. And it's more of an authentic conversation. It's more of an authentic Sure, it adds opinion. context to a conversation and not Absolutely. just, Where it's just, just like, a flat note. And so, you know, if you sit there and tell me like, oh, this mezcal is the best mezcal in the world. What else have you had? You know? You know, do you drink anything else or are you only drinking this one and like, this is the best because this is who pays you? You know? That's where I'm kind of like, all right, hopefully people do some reevaluating and how they approach these jobs in the future. Where, Which comedian was that? Uh, was that Chris Rock? Who uh, uh, was that? Dave Chappelle. I think it was Dave Chappelle. Uh, you know, this week I drink. Uh, which one tastes better? Pepsi. Why? Because they paid me last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just wish that you know, you know how they like when you have celebrities and they do those Instagram posts, and then I'll always in it at the end of it, it'll be like hashtag advertisement or hashtag sponsor. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's that's what every brand ambassador should have to do on every fucking post, you know, and and I and I'd be willing to do it as well. That's fine. And, yeah, and I'm I guess I guess I'm like really fired up about this because I've always been the type of person, or at least especially in the last few years, like I've always tried to promote things that I just like and like good things in general, whether it be my Instagram in person, any social media venue, and I had, you know, a person from a bigger company who's a total shill kind of be like oh he only because i said something about another brother and he's like oh he only likes his stuff i'm like that is completely ridiculous and i just kind of i've been fired up for about it for about a week and a half now so obviously yeah can't get over it one day i will probably not but one day i will i'm not expecting i'm not gonna hold my breath (laughs) yeah well we're we're getting very tangenty right now so we're gonna move on and um we're gonna go to our next story and this story actually ties back to last week's one of last week's stories. And uh, we had talked about how in South Africa, they had outlawed all alcohol sales um, within, within the country. And, you know, we had commented like, okay, what point in history has that ever worked? And the story that we had covered was just proving that this was not working. And then, um, yeah, and we drew, I mean, we drew the parallel uh, to prohibition in the U S totally. Yeah. Uh, the natural parallel. It's an, under, right? it's an understandable parallel to draw. Right. And so um, expanding upon that, so not only has South Africa outlawed all the sales of, of alcohol, but they've also shut down all the wine exports, which is very, very devastating for anybody who's in that business. And um, right yeah, now- really surprising to me. They're looking at, you know, they're jeopardizing the sale of more than $9.3 million dollars in South African wine sales by doing this. Um, you know, there is some president for it and I've been kind of going through it and looking at, you know, why is it such an issue? And so apparently when a lot of these industries were starting to build and stuff like that, instead of paying their workers with actual money, they would pay them in alcohol. This ended up leading to just like crazy amounts of alcoholism throughout the country. Um, you know, and all kinds of like, uh, what is it? The, when you're drinking, when you're pregnant, the it's like the fetal syndrome or something. I can't remember now. Um, yeah. 
but it would lead to a lot of a lot of different issues. And so there's been multiple people have been trying to do whatever they can to limit alcohol. And one of the things that they had brought up was, at least in this article, that before they put this ban in, on a weekly basis, South African hospitals would have 34,000 alcohol-related traumas that they'd have to treat. Um, well, fuck. Yeah. That's, that's so a lot. Yeah, so since putting in the ban, that's that's gone down to twelve thousand. And if you put it into the context of like America and flattening the curve, and the reason that you flatten the curve is not necessarily to eradicate the disease, but it's just to make sure that you don't overwhelm the hospitals. That's exactly what they're doing here. Now we did not have this information last week, so, so we stand corrected. <laughs> but we so said we this are. is a bad idea. We take it back. Yeah. So this is a good idea. Uh, yeah, you might start an underworld, you know, crime, you know, syndicate, but you have greatly reduced your alcohol-related traumas in South Africa. So that's fetal, why fetal alcohol syndrome. There you go. The, yeah, that is hopefully going to come down as well. Um, so yeah, that was that was just something I thought we had to clarify and get off of our uh, throne about. Um, but but yeah, the, I. To bring it back to the wine exporters and you know the wine makers, I mean it's just such a in a situation that's already horrible, where you know you've lost all the sales within your own country. Now you can't even export your wine. It's just now we'll probably find out something next week about exporting wine and how it like kills like baby giraffes or something. But you know, <laughs> it just seems like like what the hell? Why are you doing this to? Why would you do this to your industry? You know, why you would you kill do baby this? giraffes? Because my my uh, my wife would leave me. That would be it. Uh, we, you know, our whole house is filled with giraffes everywhere. And you uh, do have a lot of giraffes I, in your house. If my wife found out that baby giraffes were dying based on the shipping of alcohol, um, I'm pretty sure our relationship would be over. Yeah, she's like, you better choose. You know, that's right. Um, so, but yeah, so we'll, we'll find out something like that next week. But I just, you know, I'm. I, like why? Why in so many situations people are trying to make it easier for businesses to survive? I mean, that just this seems like the death nail for South African wine. It it does seem that way. I mean, and I I guess for the uneducated listener, um, you know, they wouldn't think twice about South African wines. But there's, I mean, it's a great climate for for wine in South Africa, and they they actually produce some really outstanding um, uh, juice that comes out of there. So this is, this is, uh, this is a bummer, you know, and it's, I don't know, I don't know what we can do here in the U S other than maybe, you know, search it out and try to buy some of whatever is in the warehouses now and uh, hope that it gets money back to those, to those brands, um, you know, in the short term that helps them just stay alive. But, you know, we'll we'll do some research and see if maybe we can um, get back to our listeners about that. Yeah, and hopefully, overall, I mean, just for everybody, this is going to be over within, or not over, but adjustments made within the next few months, so businesses can start to operate on a little bit more of a normal level, because we were we're getting to that point where it kind of just seems like every day there's a new business. It's kind of like, you know what? We're just, we're not coming back. It's just, there's no point. Uh, And you want to, 
you know, you want to do everything that you can in order to make this go away and to keep people safe. In the same time, it's like we got to create solutions that are not putting more people out of work or ending more businesses. So, yeah, we have to be we have to be creative and uh, really figure out where we're spending our money. So that way, it's less of consolidation of goods and more more about creating community. I think yeah. I think if there's there's ever a time in in human history in the in recent generation to to learn that lesson, it's now. You know, I mean, it, with everybody shopping at grocery stores and shopping on Amazon, I think you know when we come out of it, it's going to be a lot of mom and pop shops that shut down because everybody's getting their shit from Amazon, right? And everybody's getting their shit from the from the big box grocery store. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what comes out the other end. Well, hopefully that's, you know, that'll be a conversation that can be had in the next few weeks, right? It's like when you transition yeah. back to this. I mean, I've had some conversations with people this week where, um, you know, the hope is, is that restaurants can band together and just be like, hey, listen, for the first three months after this the lockdowns are lifted, we don't accept gift cards. Nobody does. And we do this in unison, you know? So because you know that's what's gonna happen. Like people aren't gonna realize that right. everybody everybody who bought a gift card, they're all gonna rush in to use it in a way to support. You know, I I mean it's still supporting because you get people into the door so your restaurant looks like it's busy, which is I mean, that's that's big. Um, but Yes, that means people are spending money that you don't have in order to feed them right now. Um, yeah. When you were just, yeah. Yes, agreed. I think, yeah, so we'll, we'll start working on that. We'll work on the rules post-COVID. How... Rules post-COVID in a post-COVID society. Yeah, according to <laughs> Chris and Drew. This is what That's great. I like it. Yeah. Our Ten Commandments. Yeah. Okay, and so then you had our last our last little story that we wanted to touch on. I like this story. This is fun. <laughs> Do tell. No, no, no. By all means, read, read the headline. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get my two cents in there. Uh, okay. Because so, it's, it's not like I don't ever anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's part of the show. Um, so with the Kentucky Derby postponed for only the second time in history, now scheduled for September 5th, Woodford Reserve and Churchill Downs are partnering to raise funds for COVID-19 relief efforts on May 2nd. The day of the race was originally set to run. Programming across the Derby social channels will include a virtual horse race and a session with Woodford Master Distiller Chris Morris discussing the history that connects Thoroughbreds, Bourbon, and the Derby. Beginning on April 30th, fans may visit KentuckyDerby.com to choose a horse to win the virtual race and then join Churchill down and making a charitable donation to COVID-19 emergency relief. Churchill Downs will match up to $1 million in donations. That's so cool. It is cool. I, I, um, I think the last time I really, really like watched the Derby was in like 2015 and like went over to a homie's house and we made a day out of it and, uh, watched American Pharaoh take it. And it was so exciting. Um, I would love to go to the Derby at some point in time, but probably only if there was like box seats because I, I don't want to be amongst the, the rabble <laughs> and have to push people, push giant hats out of my way so I could see the, the actual race. But uh, it would be a fun experience. Have you, have you ever watched 
the Derby? Have you ever like sat down and watched a couple of the races when, when it happens? Yeah. So I have, um, a very vivid memory of the Derby and it was uh, a few years back. I was working for Diageo and we were doing a, um, like a whiskey, like a mint julep kind of promotion over at DeVere's in Sacramento. And, uh, you know, giving away mint julep cups and all this different stuff. And I was pretty excited because admittedly, you know, I had gone my whole life with never watching a, a horse race. I just, it never had appealed to me. And, um, and I was there for hours, you know, in the lead up to it and stuff like that. It's like, well, the race starts at this time. I'm like, cool, I'll get here, here, do this, be able to, you know, talk product and all that fun stuff. And then, you know, I, we watched the race. I can't tell you who won or anything like that, but I finally understood like the greatest two minutes in sports, you know? Right. Yeah. And I was just like, but I was taken aback by, by that two minutes and kind of being like, I just spent the last three hours here. And we did it for that. We did it for right. two minutes. <laughs> and it was yeah, right. You did. It was great. It, yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, and I think now in, in most contexts, if, if I was just like hanging out and having a good time and stuff like that, when I was like working up to this point and it was, I think this goes back to my sandwich theory, which it's just, it's never going to be as good if you have to do all the work for it and doing all the work to get to the Kentucky Derby and then having it happen. I was just like, that was fucking stupid. And I never wanted to do this again. <laughs> like that was unbelievable. Are you kidding me? And, um, and <laughs> I've, I've been bottled this up for a long time. It's, first it's time obvious. On it. And, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, that's my very, that's the one time I've watched the race from start to finish. And well, I watched I all the lead ups to it. And it was just ridiculous. I'm very excited. I'm going to watch this year because I think this talk about being creative. I think this is a, an excellent way to be creative during this time, you know, to take yeah. all those past winners, put up a, put up a, you know, a simulated race. We all know who's going to win, but it's still going to be fun to watch, you know? And Do we know who's going to win? Is it, I, I guess maybe I don't, because you looked into this further, are they? They're taking past winners, and they're going to. They're like, taking past winners, and they're they're running their they're running their times, and um, but I think it's going to be fun because uh, they're going to mark, you know, at, at when you know horse A passed the gate, they were running at this pace, and when they passed oh, that gate, they were running at this pace. So it's still going to be fun to watch. Um, you, you know, I I don't know, I I guess it's it's sort of like uh getting your um uh getting your your basketball video game and just putting both teams on simulation and having the computer play but <laughs> it's probably just a little bit more fun and entertaining than that well i think it's going to come down to production right can you can they produce it to the point where it is entertaining i mean i think the conversation alone you know this is going to be world class production really cool. i mean what 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 choice do you have i mean you have the entire world watching a point in time where it would be the Kentucky Derby, right? So you have no choice but to go hard with it. And you're not going to come out with some like 8-bit computer race. Although I might be equally entertained if it was an 8-bit computer race with like 8-bit Nintendo sound. That would be, <laughs> I'd be really into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'll, I think it will be interesting because you're right. There's everyone's going to be tuned in. If you look at some of the numbers from the NFL draft this past Thursday, I mean they were like off the charts, right? Because people were so desperate for like some just form something. of sport that just was like something. that was not um 
you know, things that they had seen a million times before. So like the NFL draft numbers were just insane. Um, but yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll be, it'll be cool. And yeah, I mean, I don't have anything going that day. So uh, I'm watching a virtual horse race in a chat with a master distiller, which I'm actually very okay with. But I, I, with, with all that, I, I it does kind of give us the perfect segue into a very special guest that we're bringing in for two guests we're bringing two, two guests. guests in we are bringing in two okay. guests and what's right. and we we had promised our, we had promised our listeners um well we hadn't promised we had maybe actually threatened our listeners early like uh early in the second season of our podcast that's right folks two seasons uh that this might happen um, and and so uh, I guess without further ado, we should introduce uh, Brindy. Oh, are, are you are you coming in with uh, with intro music? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. That just dropped our production value to this show so much. Intro <laughs> music. Yeah, don't worry about it. All that. right, folks. I would, uh, it's a distinct pleasure to introduce Lindsay Peters, and for some reason she married a schmuck named Brad Peters, who also happens to be here, so I guess welcome to him, too. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. So, just so you guys know, the the little podcast system that we use now has everybody on the call at the same time, and at the bottom, there's a little chat thing. And so they've been like just dropping notes on us the whole time of like different things that we've said. And they're actually the ones that came up. Don't worry. Yeah, they came up with the fecal alcohol syndrome for us. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you could tell that with my. I, I thought that was really smooth the way that I came in with that. No, you did yeah, great. You did. I didn't even notice it at first until I looked down. I was like, oh, that bitch, he got it from them. <laughs> like, you thought he was hella clever, which like kind of makes me think that like, do we need a per- like a like a legit producer? Like, I know I joke about producing credit, but like maybe we need someone who's actually looking stuff up for us. Isn't that the and thing? Like when you when you hear a uh, like a sportscaster or someone correct themselves from the total screw up, and it's it's someone in their ear just like that looked up a stat, random stat from 1976 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's you, there's you, all you those kind of things, or like, like spotters and stuff like that. I used to do spotting for NFL games, and it was. I mean, you're you're unsung heroes to say the least. Um, Un- but unsung, unsung heroes, not unclung. Unsung, I said unsung. I, yeah. I, think, you said, I think you said clung. No, I didn't. Right. It might have sounded Sorry. like that because of all this top quality equipment that we're using. Um, <laughs> That's right, and and our lack of a producer. Yeah, well, we'll get that in post. Everything in uh, post. I guess. I guess uh, the the what we're really getting to is if any of our listeners want to be our producer, now's the time to speak up. Yeah. Get on the ground floor. Get that a good experience. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Ground floor. Then you got to take producer of your, uh, off of your title. One of you. Well, I become executive producer. There you oh, go. That's fair. Now that's fair. I just look a lot better. Yeah. Lindsay, do you want to be our producer? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, did you start with no and then say sure? Well, so while we were watching, uh, we were we had our Jack Daniels playing cards out. We were playing some gin, so I had a notepad for our uh, scores while we were listening to you. 
and I was real close to starting to like take notes on what you were saying to chime in on and circle back later, but I didn't do it. Didn't do it. I figured you guys were on things you want to talk to. It's very interesting. That's fantastic. Well, I guess I guess the only appropriate thing really is to open open the floor to you guys because uh, apparently Buddy Newbie is on the shit list, which uh, that's you know that's news to me. <laughs> Buddy Newbie. Um, on the we'll let you know. No one's ever on the shit list. It's more of just a, a hilarious uh, story, I think, is what it what it ends up being. But uh, and then and then Brad apparently has different memories than we do about all these stories that make him a terrible human being. So I guess without further ado, guys, uh, by all means, here's your here's your five minutes. Uh, I guess make yourselves look good. Like, do I have to tell a story about why I'm a horrible human being? <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Get a good self-deprecation in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, I don't want to take up all the time refuting all those. They're good stories. Yeah. They were fun. They they were good good fiction based on. Get <laughs> Brad Peters stories turned into Lindsay Peters stories. Yeah, and is. You know, to the best of my knowledge, we were always trying to make you look like a saint. It's and not I, like we have to, we don't have to work very hard at that. I guess before, like, so the, the whole, the, the story that Buddy said, and it wasn't that he was in the shit list, um, but we wanted to clear up the air, is that Lindsay was actually the one that wanted to go to the Abbott Brothers show, Abbott Brothers show. Abbott's, yeah, which, he said I wasn't there. Which I don't. I, I was actually point, hanging out with Matt Gonzalez most I, of the time right there. I kind of became a fan of them because she me to the show <laughs> and then i invited or maybe she invited everyone back i to think it house. was my idea for everybody to come here and then when we got her her parents didn't have the kids to sleep so i think she was more upset with her parents not having the kids to sleep and then but in buddy's story he was like Lindsay was all pissed off that we were there so no she wasn't pissed off uh she was probably more pissed off at her parents or me for saying go put the kids to sleep and i stayed and hung out so by the way if for some reason my parents ever listen to this, and let's hope they don't, <laughs> saints also saints. <laughs> They're all saints. <laughs> but just to clear the air on on that on that good one. But uh, but no, I, I I I don't know why you're handing us the the mic here because um, that Chris knows more than anyone. Don't ever hand the mic to Brad Peters after a few drinks. And with that in mind, we are uh, we are enjoying a last word from Empress tonight it's so good uh, i uh i i brought home that uh that to-go cocktail to jen as well and she was very excited about it it was hard to know now but we figured what a what a better time there's no better time than mm-hmm. opening it up so we could be on the podcast and talk to you guys and and uh you know i'm not gonna tell shit stories about you guys i tell those behind your back i don't need to tell them on air um uh, uh, fair <laughs> But I do, but um, but Drew did want to give you some props on what you've done thus far with uh, your list that's had such a big play thus far on on who's who's open, who's doing things. So kudos to you for for initiating yeah, that and getting sure. getting going on on that. Sorry for being so serious, but, uh, but that's, that's no. For, I, I know you guys were talking a little bit on the on the show about what's going to happen with the industry coming back and this and that. But in, in the time that we're in right now, I know that that's been a huge help for places, not only for distributors figuring out who to, who to support and who to go buy and see, 
uh, but but being able to share that information to help these guys, uh, you know, so they don't get lost in the shuffle. That's great. Um, thank you. I, you know, it was funny because it just started as as a Facebook post, and then took on a life of its own. And uh, it's been it's been cool to see it grow. It's been cool to see it be shared in places that I have no connections to whatsoever, and to see people you know benefiting from it and i know it's not you know the end-all be-all solution for anything by any means but if it helped out a couple people that's really what kind of mattered to me and i'm glad that people are still using it and i'm still getting like emails and because now um you know there's restaurants who who closed for the like right off the bat and now that they're seeing that this doesn't seem to have an end date that looks like anytime soon, like they're opening back up to kind of be like, okay, well, we're going to try the to go thing. So now that they're, they're trying to jump back onto these, they're trying to get on the list, which is, you know, I just add them right away. It's not like a thing they have to qualify for, but it's been cool. I'm, I'm glad that it's, um, that it's helping people in multiple ways. And, uh, I just hope that it's keeping the lights on for people. Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting to see how people are, are approaching it. Um, Obviously, it's different than everyday takeout. It's not a random takeout order coming in the middle of your dinner rush. It's it's people really setting up their entire business model for um, doing takeout business, which changes the dynamics entirely. And there there are, there are a lot of people out there doing it really really well, which also shows that the dynamic nature of the restaurant business is just these people. I mean, really, you know, to me, it's kind of like this is uh, five o'clock on a Monday. A coupon went out yesterday. And now your dick is in the dirt because you just got slammed. You got your B team on. I mean, that's what it feels like in a restaurant. We're used to that. And I say we, like, I mean, I spent lots of years at the restaurant and bar industry. Um, you know, we all had that night and this ticket machine is going off like crazy. I mean, Chris, you know, you want to, you want to take it afterwards and beat it with a bat because you just got your ass kicked. But that's what this kind of felt like when this all came down. And the restaurant industry is so prepared to take on this, this challenge. Um, yeah, someone someone on Facebook, uh, I saw a meme going around the other day of like, oh, I miss I miss bartending so much. I actually miss this thing. And it was a photo of the ticket printer. And, uh, and I was like, nah, that's where I draw the line. Fuck that thing. I still I still have nightmares. I'm like, yeah. my skin starts to itch just looking at it. It's like um, it's like just thinking about nails on a chalkboard, how it makes your skin crawl because you just like you know that feeling and you know that and it's like I saw that and I like my I just started twitching. I wish I had. <laughs> And every every barker, no, I'm cool. I can be on quarantine longer. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's awful. Um, I still, I mean, pre-COVID days. I mean, how long has it been? How many years has it been since I bartended? But if I'm in a busy restaurant that's really loud, I'm on the opposite end, and that bar printer is going crazy. I still hear it through everything. I'm like, well, somebody get those tickets. Make a drink. <laughs> you tune your ear to hear it, you know? Which brings me to just a, an interesting point. I had a couple of things to, to touch on, but I, I don't, I think you guys know, but I don't know about the, uh, the listeners you have. But Lindsay was actually my bar trainer. The first place I ever bartended at. Uh, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. We were trying to make Lindsay look uh, like a good person and not like she inflicted some know, sort of uh, virus on the world. So we, we left that part out. <laughs> no, oh, too too, too soon. Too soon for the guys. virus. Uh, <laughs> Touche. <touché. 
I brought him to the bartending world. B, I brought him to Northern California. So you're welcome, and I'm sorry. That's appropriate. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do think it's important to um, to clear up. I mean, I think the the Brad stories strictly came out of the desire to have you listen to our show and to like give us some sort of validation. You know, that's really what it was all about. It wasn't just kind of like, we can't wait to, to bash Brad. I was like, if we say things about Brad, it'll get back to him and then he'll be forced to live into our show. And then we'll have Brad Peters as a listener. I heard him and I was like, Hey, no, like all pub is good pub. And I was more upset that you guys stopped doing it than I was. <laughs> When it comes to like June, like July, I can't wait to go back and, and talk about all these stories. I'll have to keep notes so I remember what it is. And then we like, like abruptly ended. And I think I messed up by liking the Facebook page. Was like yep. my, my end all. Totally well, screwed and, up. And I know at one point you guys said like, we're pretty sure Lindsay listens to this, right? Yeah. Yep. So in full disclosure... Because again, I support my friends. I support local. I want to support all of your endeavors. Uh, when you first started your podcast, your Facebook, your Instagram, whatever you have, I liked them all. Whatever you posted, I started following again. <laughs> but um, I don't honestly get around to listening to a lot of podcasts. Period. Um, so I, I didn't even though I was following your podcast or subscribing. Is that the term? Um, uh, so you you were just posturing. I think it's called a show. No, I was showing support. I was showing support. <laughs> <laughs> I had every intention of listening at some point, which I did. And the first one I listened to, they were like, we're pretty sure Lindsay listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back and listened to Good catch. What you'd been saying yeah. about me. Who's a horrible yeah. human? It's I, still you, Brad. See, I'm trying to support them here. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't not listen out of lack of interest. No. I didn't uh, listen out of I have a four and a six year old in the house all the time. Seriously. That's that's fair. Um, I did want to touch on you guys were talking about the uh, Kentucky Derby. Yeah. And well so, that's your that's your that's your boss who's gonna be on there. Well, yeah, here comes here comes the shield thing right now. Oh my god! What is here that? It comes. Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I was just thinking, you guys were talking about going there. I haven't watched it now. So uh, my birthday is on Cinco de Mayo, and that's so right. Every year, because it's always the first Saturday in May, so a lot of times my birthday would fall on on Kirby. So my dad would always throw like my birthday parties were, were kind of like always 50-50 something to do with horse racing and Cinco de Mayo. So we do like, you know, roll dice and your horse can go this far or whatever. So we'd always have, so the Derby was always a big thing for me. And Lindsay and I actually went last year. Uh, like a bucket That's list. right. A bucket yeah, list. you had your nice linen suit on and I, Lindsay, you bought a hat, didn't you? She had multiple hats because you go, and, and Drew, to your point, you work an event for three hours and, uh, and then you go a two minute race. So technically I was there for work and I was entertaining um, the distributor. It starts at like, I, I don't even know. Like by the, you had to be on the bus at seven. By the time we, but I think we had been at Churchill Downs for like eight hours by the time, eight or nine hours before the race started. 
in the rain, and then they do a two-hour race, and they're like, now get on the bus. Oh, my God. That's it. And not that it's bad. I mean, we had a great time the whole the whole, the whole day. But you all, the races, the Kentucky Oaks is the day before, which is another race that you go to. It's like over, we were, we were in Louisville for probably 40, well, 72 hours. And we spent probably 20 of those at Churchill Downs in the rain. Well, one day it didn't rain. But you get all dolled up and, and the hats and the suits and the everything both days. But, cool. but definitely bucket list item. Not expensive to go to, not hard. I don't think it's difficult to get a ticket because there's it's such a huge, I mean, it's gigantic, but it's $1,400 a night to stay to there. Stay there. That's All right. I remember you telling me that. And a, and, a, and a three night minimum stay. Fuck. Yeah. But that's the Holy whole. Holy moly. You like want to stay in Indianapolis or like Lexington or Nashville and then like drive three hours to come up and go to the race and go back and then you can do it um not not so you know and, and not take out a loan but it's it's <laughs> the <laughs> other thing of, that boggled my mind was that all the cocktails are served in glass yeah in glass true. souvenir glasses that you can take home with you that's cool that's pretty neat. It's cool except where do you put them all no so they all they <laughs> all just end up and then they're like right there and really you didn't see a whole lot of breakage. Like, no. if you were at a Giants game and they gave every beer in a pint glass, like, the floor would just be glass. Well, that's... It says more about Giants fans, I think, than it does about... Oh, beer. that's ridiculous. I just think... <laughs> I think those... If you're wearing a fancy hat and a nice linen suit, you're not dropping shit. I mean, you, you had a, you had a rolling through, going like, juleps, get your juleps here, juleps here. And then he's giving it to you in a freaking in a glass because they don't they don't use they use a like a collins glass that has all the horses names on it that have won the kentucky derby and says 145th or this year it said 146 derby whatever that's the like that's what they're serving it or if you go get a spire cocktail you get like the copper cup and like it's it's wild um it's just a really 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 cool time but we'll definitely do uh, it Lindsay, where, did you, where did you get your hats? Amazon. No. I wanted to do something cooler, but the, I don't know, the time, I don't think we had a ton of notice on going. No, not a ton of notice. And it was like, I could either find, you know, online things that I couldn't, you know, because you're not going to buy a derby hat here. Like maybe, maybe at Nordstrom's, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's not like people carry them. If you're there, if you're in the South, they're everywhere. But they're expensive. But I mean, they jack up prices are, at that point. Exactly. A lot of them are really expensive. Yeah, and I didn't realize, like, the hotel we stayed in had a pop-up shop in their lobby of this local hat, uh, what are they called? I don't remember. Haberdasher. Haberdasher. To make derby hats. And they asked a couple of people we were with about them, and they weren't that bad, but... I got some for super cheap on Amazon, but I bought like six and tried them on with all my different dresses, <laughs> trying to decide which one I was going to do. Um, and then I took notes for next time I go, because, you know, there'll be a next time. Um, <laughs> like I took pictures right. Right. and ways. there was a local, somebody that works for Brown Foreman, who was kind of our like host for the weekend or our chaperone, who knows. 
Um, she obviously she kind of goes to some aspect of it every year and she had taken an old one and then went to Michael's or something and bought colored you know brightly colored feathers and added them in so I took pictures of that that I can reuse these ones but make it even fancier I don't know that's a really really cool event a lot of history Um, and, and, and even that if that ends up being last year that because of who knows what everything is going forward, uh, very cool to have been there. But also, if you recall, the the winner, it was the first time the winner had been disqualified. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, actually, the, the winner that we saw win did not actually win. Second place, or second place won. Mm-hmm. They had everyone hold tickets. It was crazy. It was insane. And then that might just, I mean, they might still figure out a way to run the race. But who knows where it's going to be going forward? Because it's it's over 150, 175 thousand people in one, you know, on one half of a racetrack. It's not it's not all the way around like Indianapolis or you know or like a football game. It's it's everyone might even be more than that. I forget two hundred fifty thousand. I think it's, it's two hundred fifty. It's crazy how many people they get into that. You know, uh, producer Lindsay's producer Lindsay's that up. But uh, <laughs> no, really really cool event. It's a lot of fun. I, I hope that. I, I don't have any doubt that next next Saturday is going to be, uh, and then and then and then not to disappoint Drew. I don't want to disappoint him. Uh, get your Woodford Reserve ready for uh, for next <laughs> for next Saturday. One hundred sixty-five thousand seated, <laughs> thirty-three towards thirty-four thousand on the infield. There you go. So getting towards two hundred people. Um, well, shit, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. And uh, we actually, well, no, you have we have a question for them. Oh, we do have a question. Uh, shoot away, Drew. Okay. Um, so, I, are they both going to answer? I think they both should answer, or maybe each one takes a child. <laughs> the benefit of having two. Okay, so when we do have guests on, the question that we have, uh, you know, for them, especially if they have children, is you have to leave a bottle to your kids so if you guys want to break it up you know take you know one of you takes brooks one takes sloan what bottle of alcohol are you leaving to your kid or kids hey brad opening a case right now so mine's kind of all right so i have a bottle of and it's it's so funny that it's not necessarily a brand i get behind ever but um, a bottle of 1800 that I have had, I don't know. I've Since before me. I've, I might have gotten this before I was 21. No. Um, no, because it was a gift to me. That's not legal. It was a gift to me. And <laughs> it's, it's one of those that you can get that you get filled at the distillery, right? So this is bottle 189 out of 288. I'm, I'm literally, I'm sitting in front of it, so I grabbed it. Um, and I've taken... Since my 21st birthday, I've taken one, like a like a small shot out of it. Most not every year, and then shared a shot with someone else. So it's down to literally two shots left in it. Now wow. here's the reason. It's weird. Um, it's it. Uh, the last time I shared it with somebody, it was a little watered down. And we've had roommates sometimes in our, <laughs> since we've been together. And I feel like somebody was sneaking some of the hooch. And so it's all cloudy and weird. So I don't know. I think that that might be off the table. 
I don't think this is going to be what I'm going to share with Brooks when he's 21. That's a damn good story, though. But, but yeah, so I'm literally I'm holding this bottle, and I wish I knew, I wish I knew what when it was actually made. I don't have a, but it was. Uh, and, and, and I'm, 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 I, I haven't even checked the nom on it either to see if it's actually um, where it came from. All right, but, but, but our que- our question was, what bottle are you going to leave to your children? Well, <laughs> okay, so um, well, isn't there like at some point you said there's like a Brooks gin? There's a Sloan gin. Sloan gin. Sloan gin. Sloan gin. Now. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this back to uh, to Buddy Newby, and that he found me a bottle of Jack Daniels at an estate sale, and uh, and I actually I got it dated, shot a picture of the bottle to uh, to Chris Fletcher, the assistant master distiller at Jack Daniels, which he was able to show me that it's a 1972 Jack Daniels unopened, and uh, so I'll probably save that. I'm not going to open that for a while, and that'd be kind of cool. Um, to save, especially, I mean, yeah, that's that's legit. What yeah. about you, Lindsay? Well, I think, oh, wait, wait a minute, Brad, which child are you leaving that to? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's probably gonna be for Brooks, but I don't know. All right, Lindsay, what are you leaving to Sloan? Well, I don't know. I haven't thought about this. We have some vintage Dom. Might want to. That vintage Dom. It also doesn't need to. It doesn't need to be currently in your collection. Oh well, that's a totally different question. <laughs> well, apparently we're making up new rules now. I so. I will say. <laughs> well, like you know, like if you have if you have like a, a Dom Perignon, or if you have like. Uh, if you plan on buying a bottle of Paradiso or something like that, like is that a bottle that you'd leave to them? Now let's 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 go ahead and say that yeah, the things that we have on the court right now might not last quarantine. That's what my assumption was. So, um, it'd be really cool to come up with to be able to just who I work for, what I do, to be able to come up with a uh, birthday bourbon for both birth years. Yes, knowing that they're actually yes. that that's a possibility with both with both kids. That would be very cool. All right, Lindsay, you're up. Oh, you're so not we... allowed to take Brad. Yeah, you're not allowed to take Brad's answer. Kids. <laughs> I'm I'm like looking around the room trying to think of something. Infinity bottle. Okay. Are you are you are you documenting what goes into your infinity bottle or is it just like, here you go, kid. Good luck. Yeah. 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 Now, okay. now, is it, what kind of infinity bottle is it? Is it American whiskey? Is it scotch? Is it rum? What, is, what are we doing? I think it would be American whiskey. White, white claw, truly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It kind, of kind of depends on their attitude. Do you guys remember the game King Cup? <laughs> I, sure, I sure fuck do. Isn't that pretty much an Infinity Cup? <laughs> Happy 21st yeah. birthday, kids. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Got some vintage Truly here for you to chug. Here's some oh Truly. Here's a little and I'm not gonna lie, so, ice. Sorry, and I'll leave you with this, and then you guys can get rid of us, because we've probably outstayed our welcome. But... 
and, and, and you'll enjoy this. This afternoon, middle of the day, Lindsay looks at me, and I swear to God, she said, God, I'm ready for a Jack and Coke. And I and and I was like, Wow! I'm, All right. She's she does not drink Jack. She doesn't drink Coke. I drink Jack. I don't drink Coke. <laughs> and I look at her, and I'm like, and, and it was like just there's things going on, and she was like, and she's looking at me, look at her, strange. I'm like, Did you just say you want a Jack and Coke? Like middle of the day. And what did, what was it we were saying? Well, I don't know. That would have made your story a lot better. It would have made it better, but she did not. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know. My brain playing tricks on me, but I was like, you want to jet? We don't even, we don't have coke in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm not even sure I have a bottle of Jack other than the vintage ones. But, um, but yeah, there you go, guys. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we finally were able to uh, to get you guys on, and we appreciate it. And uh, you know, if you haven't already, go out there and give us a five star review. Tell your friends to give us five star reviews. I have to follow you or well, subscribe. We can't, we can't send this to anyone because we said, you know, we said we were mad at Lindsay's parents. No, they're sick. That's fair. <laughs> Don't get over it. It's pandemic. Both, Nothing counts in the pandemic. Uh, hey, you guys are doing great things. It's fun to listen to you guys and what you guys are talking about. Uh, I'm excited to see what, you know, what else comes up with uh, some of the stuff that, that Drew's doing and obviously... Uh, some of the fun stuff that Chris is doing at Good Bottle and uh, you guys are always good friends of ours and uh, you know just good luck with everything else that goes on hopefully you'll you'll have us on another time sometime I don't know we'll see of course we'll no, do it actually in the same room ooh same room and we can all drink together which would be nice yeah that'll be the best part because as much as I like both of you guys, I really like drinking with uh, with Lindsay. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. That's that's how we end up with stories. Uh, just the way the world knows, Lindsay's nickname is Fancy Face. Uh, so if yes. you see her in public and you just shout that, she will turn. I promise. And there's there's our segue for uh, getting invited to another show. To tell that story. Yeah, there it is. All right, and let's get out of here. Let's go live. All right, guys. So, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Fake cheers noise. (laughs) The Good Bottle Podcast was recorded at the Good Bottle Shop in Sacramento, California. Music is by Leon Moore and Chase Moore. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Good Bottle Podcast.